Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How's she going, boys? How you doing, boys? Good to be back. Episode five, excited for this one, classic flick. Oh, I'm excited for this one today, guys. This is a great classic movie, like Webb said. Here we go. Hockey's in full-fledged right now into the playoffs, and it's just I'm pretty excited about hitting Youngblood up today. The juices are flowing. Juices are flowing. The juice is loose. Yep. So today we're taking on our very first hockey movie as we take a trip back into the high-octane 80s with Peter Markle's cult classic, Youngblood. I've been offered a tryout with Hamilton Mustangs. I gotta play junior if I'm ever gonna play pro. All the scouts are gonna be there. Dean Youngblood scored 92 goals this year so far for the Stanton Flyers. Get him a uniform. The doctor is here. New uniforms for the playoffs? Wanna go, pretty boy? Come on. You gotta play it according to their rules. Maybe I made a mistake about you. What do you think? If I don't sign a pro contract next couple of years, I'm through. What if it had been you? What if it was you? Wake up, superstar. We're in this together. You're a team, a family. You need it here. And you never quit. Ever. Rob Lowe, Cindy Gibb, Patrick Swayze, Youngblood. Alright, well there's there's no way in Anaganish we're peeling back the cover on this movie with three sets of dry lips over here, hey boys? Nothing goes better with hockey than a tall, frosty one. Time for the old brew review. What are we drinking, Webb? Well, fellas, uh, this is a classic dad movie, so we need to have a classic dad pint. So this week, we are going to uh, our fine friends at Molson for a classic export. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. For those of you who don't know, Molson Export is the refreshing, satisfying ale that signals determination for those who believe that everything tastes more satisfying when you give it your all. And nobody gives it their all more than Dean Youngblood. I like this beer a lot. This is one of those beers that you don't get all the time, but then when you have it, you remember how decent it is. It feels like one of those beers, too, that you have after a game of pickup. You could have a Molson Export after a game of pickup hockey. Or it reminds me of the Montreal Canadiens, where you always see Molson Export signs on the, on the boards and things like that. To me, this is hockey's beer. If you go to the Bell Centre and you don't get a tall export, and by one I mean about seven... Uh, you're doing something wrong, and you're in for a bad night. Uh, so get at least seven. Enjoy yourself. This is uh, what I like to call the ultimate dad's beer. This is one of those oh, yeah. beers where it can be 35 degrees outside. Your beer can be almost as warm, and you can still drink this one because it's just that flavorful. Uh, it's a pretty good one. It, as Ma would say, it's one for the old Molson muscles. It uh, one of those dad beers with uh, bright white New Balance shoes on. There you go. This beer, you nailed it, Webb. You said that it's a, it's a dad's beer. I can remember my dad having like whenever I would try and sneak a beer or something, it was either this or fifty, or he used to have a lot of OV. Ooh, Ooh. 
old vagina. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I actually had an old OV hockey bag when I went to Clarkson for the first time. It had a broken zipper on it. But yeah, it's one of these old old school beers. And I remember bartending down at the Harbor Restaurant in the snack bar. The old boys come in there, all the regulars, and they all wanted exports. So we had that on top. It's not bad. What do you give it? Overall, I give this 6.7 out of 10. Decent, but not into the sevens for me. It's not one that you're going to buy on a regular basis. It has a certain sentimental value. As you say, it's your dad's beer that you tried to sneak out of the old garage fridge every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's it's one of those beers I've had some good nights in. The hangover is not too, too bad. I'd go as high as 6.9. Uh, yeah, 6.9. Hee, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, and if anybody has watched the movie, or if, if you haven't, this is a good idea to keep an eye out. So we always try to tie a whatever we're drinking into the movie in some form. So they actually drink this in three different scenes in the movie. So there's one where uh, Dean Youngblood and uh, Derek Sutton are at Derek Sutton's wicked apartment. Unbelievable. We'll get into that oh, later. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he's uh, Derek Sutton, Patrick Swayze, he's crushing a, a Molson export there. And then uh, Huey Hewitt. After his uh, suspension, when when it, after the announcer announces that they're he's prohibited from prohibited. drinking alcohol in the <laughs> hockey arena, yeah, he's crushing a Molson X in the, in the stand. So it's it's prevalent in the movie, just kind of like we did with uh, um, Bull Durham, where, where we were drinking the champagne of beers for that one. Yeah, so this was a good one we were able to tie into the movie. It's always nice to do that. So I'm going to give it. You know, I'm feeling nostalgic about that. It's bringing back some cool memories. I'm going to go six point two. Six That's where two. I'm sitting. All right. Yeah, I think we're all kind of in the same range. We're not giving this a seven. Yeah. To me, once you get into the sevens, you're talking, a, you know, a pretty steady beer. Yeah. I agree with you guys. I can't go into the sevens. Yeah. So, as we mentioned, today we're doing the movie Youngblood, written and directed by Peter Markle. It was released in 1986 by Blue Line Productions, the Goober Computer, uh, sorry, the Goober Peters Company, and United Artists. I'm... I got marbles in my mouth today. Goober Peters? Yeah, that was a hard one for me to get out. Yeah. <laughs> so the budget, it had a budget of $4.2 million, which is tiny. Absolutely tiny budget. Um, and it grossed over $15 million at the box office. So it didn't do too bad, considering. Mm. Uh, it has a Rotten Tomatoes critic rating of 38%. So the critics weren't huge fans of it. But uh, it has 68% from all viewers. So not for the critics, but definitely for the populace, which... You know, I think we'll see as we move through our uh, review today. Uh, it's starring Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze. And uh, the synopsis is uh, Dean Youngblood, played by Rob Lowe, is a 17-year-old farmhand from rural New York, has the dreams of playing in the NHL. Dean, against the wishes of his father, joins the Hamilton Mustangs for the playoff run. The Mustangs are a Canadian junior team playing in a league where the hits are hard, the stakes are high, does Youngblood have what it takes to make it in the fast-paced, hard-hitting Canadian game? Or will he hightail it back to the farm? So let's jump into the character review. Let's start off with kind of the main guy, Dean Youngblood, played by Rob Lowe. Here's the first thing I like about what they did with Dean Youngblood. They didn't make him Canadian. I like that they made him American. It'd be too cliche for the Canadian farm boy to come out of nowhere and be the superstar. I kind of like that he's from northern New York. Um, he has some flaws. There's some things about him that I'm not sure. I don't, I think that rude awakening he gets, but he does a lot of growing up in this. He seems like somebody who, you know, he, his work ethic does seem to be there. He needs to get coached up and taught, a, you know, some lessons, so to speak. But overall, um, I have him written down also as handsome, boyish, those boyish looks. 
Those also help him out a little bit. But overall, a guy with, in the show with a lot of skill. I mean, he played for Stanton. Was it called Stanton? That, that, that was the town. I, I forgot to look up to see if that's an actual town in New York. I mean, they might be in the same division as North Tonawanda. I'm not <laughs> Chick-tawanga. sure. Chick-tawanga. Chick-tawanga. Chick-tawanga, North Tonawanda, and... Uh, Anchor Bar. The Anchor Bar Blues or something. I'm not yeah. sure. But overall, the character. I think he does a great job as a character for this movie. He plays the role of kind of the underdog coming out of nowhere, coming to a new country. You want to cheer for the guy. Yeah. Overall, Webb, I'm thinking... I don't mind the guy. Yeah, he is. You nailed it on the head with your your classic underdog story, right? Uh, He'd be fantastic in today's NHL, that's for sure, because he's smooth skating. Well, the guy who actually skated. (laughs) uh, And he can score. You know, he sets up guys pretty well. And he's small, right? Mm -hmm. In in trying to take place in in whatever this is, I guess the 80s, he's probably not your prototypical guy, especially as a forward. Uh, he'd probably be pretty small, uh, but again, he's an avid reader. Uh, we know that he enjoys not only Moby Dick, but Nympho. Classic book, from what I've been told. I think I remember reading that in grade 10 English. But yeah, I don't know. He uh, There's not a whole lot you can say about him. He, he does the, the, the shy boy-next-door farm kid thing pretty well. It's, doing, it's working for him. Yeah, I agree, and I think he's uh, you nailed it, Webb. He'd be perfect for today's game, and like he'd be a he'd be a lottery pick in the draft in today's he's game. A Paul Korea, that's a really Ooh. good comparison. When I was thinking a right about right shot, like the, Paul Korea. When I was thinking about think like, so? yeah, I was thinking like the oh yeah, I'm thinking like the scene where he has to fight Racky at the end. That's like Paul Korea going up against like Cam Neely. Like it would just Kevin not happen. Yeah, <laughs> going up against Scott Stevens or something. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the scene where, you know, Paul Creator maybe should have had that moment to get his closure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, like, back in back in 86, he probably would have led that league in scoring and gone in, like, the seventh round. Like, that's that's where those guys would have gone. Like to, Look at Ray Ferrero. Yeah. How many Chicken points did Ray Ferrero have? He went late. Like, some of those guys went late, right? Like, I can see that being that situation. I thought he played well at Roblo. I mean, he's a handsome, handsome oh, devil. Yeah. He does okay. People. Pretty pretty solid character. Nothing too didn't have to act like over the top or anything. So sorry, Jamer. I was gonna say it's one of those characters. It'd be kind of hard to mess that character up. Yeah, you know what I mean by that. Like he's a lot of corny lines. It's corny lines, but it doesn't seem like it's that hard of a character to play. Come in, you know, kind of be the aloof, kind of not sure, but you kind of grow up. You become tougher. Your brother helps you out because you have an older brother. Yeah, you have kind of two older brothers in a way. You have Sutton. It just seems to be a role that. I mean, it's, the hardest part for him would have been the hockey piece, obviously. Oh, but, God, yeah. Yes. I mean, the actual <laughs> role itself, it's not very different than some of the other stuff he probably, even to some extent, what in The Outsiders, right? Like, he had to play that kind of similar yeah. kind of brother kind of character there, too. So, yeah. anyways. Let's jump on to Derek Sutton, played by Patrick Swayze. What a character. Stud. Oh, what a character. You mentioned it already. He has the most ridiculous loft slash apartment oh, well when you score 91 that's what happens well i mean this guy living downtown Hamilton. i want his interior decorator on like call here that's some uh that's some andy warhol he's, shit he's on, on lock street i bet you just yeah. rocking it down on lock street Hamilton. he he's set up yeah what an awesome character what a relatable person you just want to be that person you're like i want to be Derek. i like Sutton. the beach umbrella patio that he had set up in the one corner there how do you get couple, that? You can have a couple Molson yep. exports the there, open, right? The open bathroom would be a little intimidating, I th- would think, but uh, other than that... He's got a nice big wrench on oh, the yeah. tool bench, and if he's got an open concept bathroom in the house, <laughs> he, is, he is not afraid. There is no, not he's a not lot of confidence. He's not afraid to let it fly. 
<laughs> Guys, that's Patrick Swayze around there. He's uh, okay. Correction, it's Hat Trick Swayze. Hat Trick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> and if you disagree with him, he's just going to roundhouse you to the head anyways. Yeah, this yeah. is pre-dirty dancing, Patrick Swayze. Now, when did uh, Roadhouse come out? Roadhouse? Roadhouse might have been a couple mm, years after. Eighty. It. I'm going to say 88, but I'm probably wrong. That's I think Dirty yeah. Dancing was 87. But that shows uh, Swayze's range in the 80s. And Big 90s. time. Like, Swayze could play a 19-year-old. Or he can go and play this, you know, thirty-two-year-old bouncer, or whoever, like Dalton, Howard Dalton was in Roadhouse. Roadhouse, nineteen eighty-nine, eighty-nine. Okay, okay, so he's like maybe three years, but yeah, I mean that Swayze has that. I I was watching it, knowing that I can't, I can't remember how old Swayze is in this, but I think he's like maybe early thirties when he's Mm -hmm. playing this role. Mm -hmm. But but I, he was believable. It wasn't like Craig Sheffer playing Joe Kane, where we were like, oh yeah. my gosh, look at this guy. He's- well, he's an athletic dude. Yeah. So you believe it. You're like, world class dancer. Like, could you ballet. imagine if he had taken Baby into that apartment? I can tell you one thing Baby wouldn't be going into the corner because nobody nope. puts Baby in the corner. No. And apparently, uh, they said in. Eric Nesterenko, who played uh, Dean Youngblood's dad in it, he was, uh, he was actually hired to be the hockey consultant on the film. He actually said that Patrick Swayze wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't, he could skate. Fairly well. It wasn't too hard to get him to make him believable. I believe it, hundred yeah. percent. So he, yeah, you're right. He's an person. athlete, and he and he works hard. I also think he's a was a he was sorry. Rest in peace. Obviously, he was a very good person too, and I 100%. bet you he was very coachable. Yeah, and listened. Yeah, that would seem to be the word on Swayze was that he was have an excellent boys, person. Have you seen that documentary on him that they did? Uh, I think it's on Crave. No, but it's really good. I basically shows how good a character he was. He was an unbelievable guy. So let's jump into uh, Jesse Chadwick, the coach's daughter, played by Cynthia Gibb. Um, I mean, she's she's like the ultimate puck bunny's puck bunny, but in in like the best possible way. If I if I can clarify that, uh, like she obviously is trying to. She pretends like she's she's making him work for it, right? She's making young blood work for it a little bit, but at the same time being very supportive and actually trying to better him a little bit. My um, two earliest crushes were, you know, the movie Rad. The BMX movie. So Lori Lachlan, who played That's uh, one. <laughs> Lori Lachlan, who played uh, who uh, Uncle Jesse's wife, uh, Rebecca, Becky, Aunt Becky, Aunt Becky. So she was one of my big time early crushes. And then Cynthia Gibb, Jesse Chadwick, in this movie, I had a huge crush on her. Folks, if you ever want Jamie to buy you a beer, just bring up the movie Rad. <laughs> he will talk to you all day about how rad hat on. It's right he over has there. a rad thing over on the wall and right then now. Buckle up for an hour of your life to go by. <laughs> he will talk about hell track with you until there's no end. <laughs> Crew Jones. Crew Jones is this guy. I wanted that Cooper X seven thousand helmet, whatever you had, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> anyway, Web, I agree with some of those things. All those things you basically said, but I also wrote down like that. There's some. There's a lot of ambition there, though. Yes, mm. and you can tell. Her life wasn't easy. She moved back to a new country. She basically was from New York. And then that's hard. You have to go She's back broken, to Canada. Broken family. and Yeah. And living with dad instead of mom. You don't yeah. see that as much back then. Definitely. And she has goals. Um, I mean, she can drive a Zamboni. That's kind of cool. Her character was a little deeper than just the, you know, the low level of, like you said, Puck Bunny. No, this girl, like you said, she's an avid reader. She, you know, Moby Dick. Things like that, trying to promote things to him. I kind of noticed that. I was like, she seems okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to denigrate her by calling her a puck bunny no, anyway. No, I'm I know what she's. Though. She's the right kind of puck bunny, right? She's yeah. the girl that who is really, really into hockey, but at the same, actually into hockey and not but just. She, yeah, she likes it. Not she knew just the game. a hockey player, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's talk about Murray Chadwick. 
Her dad. Absolute beauty. I and, loved Coach. Yeah. And I, louder. Uh, I liked Coach. Uh, I liked the darts. He said, the carton of cigarettes. Carton of player cigarettes. Uh, I liked the no-nonsense. Some of his drills I question. The drill where he's directing them around with the stick. <laughs> all, those, all of those drills are obsolete now. Every single one of those drills. I remember doing like what's, the iron what's cross. With the craw- yeah. What's with the crawling one? The crawling oh, the, one. That's the crab walk. That's that's more of a bagger mm-hmm. like, type thing. It's like a... I mean, back then it was all about like that's their conditioning thing. First of all, like you're probably going to get hurt trying to do some of that stuff. And I remember, I remember the iron cross one. You know the one where you cross your feet over? Oh, yeah. I remember at uh, one point when I was the end of my career playing in the minors, they were talking about, I was still trying to do it to work on my footwork, so to speak. And I remember we had uh, uh, Robbie Fatorik and he came over and he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm working on my footwork, coach. And he's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. He's like, when are you going to do that in a game? I'm like, actually, never. And he's like, then why would you work on the, use that? And I, it was like such a good point. Like, there's just so many things that they do in these practices. But this is what practices were. Like Peter Markle, like he actually played the game. So he, there was a lot of realism in that stuff. That's literally how I remember practicing when I was in minor hockey and that stuff. And it, it's all that's obsolete now. You wouldn't do it anymore. Some of those battle drills. Oh, God. So you're like, oh, here we go. So Overall, I like we were watching it and I was like, I can't remember what I know this guy from. So I just looked him up on IMDb to see what it was. And it's from an episode of The Office. And he plays, it's in the later seasons of The Office. And he plays uh, the dad in the suit warehouse where he goes in, he's got the son. And the son is actually running the whole shop. And Dwight goes in with the the Dwight Jr. kid. I can't remember, Clark, I think his name is in The Office. And he goes in, he tries to show up like the father, son, like the kid doesn't listen to me. And I'm going (laughs) to sell. And that's where I remembered him from when I I was like, why can't I place this guy? And that's where he's from. I just remembered. Well done, Webb. I had a little research on that one. That's impressive. Yeah. He's uh he's great. His name's Ed Lauder, the actor. I think he passed away a couple years ago. But he's uh, a he's a yeah, 2013, you're right. Yeah. He's a he was great though. He I remember him being like a character guy in a few things. He was in the the old school Longest Yard. Like the Burt Reynolds one? Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he had a yes, role in that. Yes, he was. Um but yeah, he's a he's a classic all-time actor and apparently uh and we'll talk about it a little bit later, he was one of the most well-liked guys on on the set. So it's pretty cool. I, I could totally I see him, that. He looks sure. like he crushed a few export. In his I day. think he nailed the role of the coach. He just he looked like the coach. He talked like the coach. He had the same manners. It was perfect. He's uh, perfect. Okay, let's let's dive into old Carl Racky, one of the classic iconic guys from this movie. This guy was like one of the people I remember of my childhood as playing tough hockey. Yeah, like Carl Racky. Looks it, plays it. He's he's perfect for a tough guy. Apparently, he was a tough guy. Too. He was, yeah. His name's George Finn, and he played for the Belleville Bulls and the Windsor Spitfires in the OHL, and then he played a couple of years in the minors with the Toledo Gold Diggers. What a great Toledo name. Gold Diggers? Not gold. Goal. Goal. <laughs> <laughs> the Gold Diggers. Classic, wow. classic minor uh, league uh, name. Great character. I thought he was fantastic. He played the role well. He, the way he moved around the ice, he knew what to do, and you can tell he's played in a tough era of hockey. He, he knew how to play that role perfect, and you can tell by his face. He's been in a dust-up or two. I think Steve Thomas said in a quote, like, I can't believe I fought that guy. That guy, like, I, he looks like he can handle himself. Then he plays for a team from Thunder Bay. Perfect for, like, the no-nonsense Thunder Bay Bombers. Like, what Rack, a name. Racky's a guy you don't want to run into in a dark alley, that's for sure. Absolutely not. He, he other than, I was going to say, other than a couple, uh, he's got some of the best lines in the movie okay. uh, to me. His storm out after he gets cut and he 
pretends to throw the sticks or whatever is probably one of the funniest scenes in the movie to me. I don't know why. It just looks like so ridiculous, this big, tough guy, and he, like, knocks over, like, two sticks. Remind me of uh, the coach there in Bull Durham throwing the baseball bats in the shower. <laughs> the shower. Like, it was just so <laughs> bad. But then, like, how if you're Chadwick, how do you cut that guy? No. He just exactly. lays everyone out constantly and then you cut that guy i was gonna say you put him on a line with sutton you get like another 100 goals racky sutton youngblood yeah imagine that line the reality is at that time at that time of year like (laughs) going going into the stretch run too and and this was modeled after the ohl because as you can see on the marquee when they first show up it says memorial cup and they mention it later in the film that they're playing for the memorial cup so this is the ohl that they're marketing they're basing this off of so if you're a team down the stretch run the OHL is a business. You're trying to win. You got to win, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you bring in these guys to help, maybe they, I'm sh- I'm assuming they got banged up. Something was happened. Maybe they maybe the league even expanded rosters and they were able to pick up a couple guys. But if you have two guys in your that you invite out and they both kind of stand out and they're close, like first of all, Dean Youngblood's going to lead this league in scoring. Like yes, every game he's playing and he's he's sniping at will. And then you have Rocky, who's lighting it up in the playoffs for the the Bombers. He scored in pretty much every game, I think, and played tough and and intimidated everyone in the ice. And they were game planning around him. Like if you've got a guy that you're going to game plan around, you're going to find a way to put them both on your roster. So they would have just gasped. Like who's the the guy with the that was blow drying his hair before the game? Like that guy's gone. Yeah, oh, yeah. So See you gone. later. That guy's gone. Rocky's in. You know what I mean? And, and you're gonna waltz through the playoffs. Rocky's the kind of guy that back in this day, 400 penalty minutes easily. Oh yeah, but absolutely. You, but he could easily. also put the puck in the net. It yeah. would be yeah. like uh, Bertuzzi and uh, Nazstrom. It was it was in Vancouver with Nat Nordstrom. Not he remind me a lot Nas- of Bertuzzi. Nazlin. Nazlin. Yeah, like those. That line would have been unreal. It would have been him and him and Youngblood in the same line. It would have been lights out. He had a lot of Bertuzzi in him. Even like when Bertuzzi played in the OHL with Guelph, like there was that's how he was. He was just kind of this like two hundred twenty five pound like seventeen year old that just didn't care. Did what he wanted. Yeah. Like that's what Todd Men Bertuzzi was. Yeah, absolutely. He reminded me a lot of Bertuzzi. Yeah, it's one of those you tell him what to do. Yeah. The space he would create. Oh, my goodness. And then the last kind of main... Well, this isn't really a main character, but I wanted to include him kind of in the main characters was uh, Blaine Youngblood, which is Dean's dad. And the reason I wanted to mention him was this is Eric Nesterenko, who played over 1,200 games in the NHL and won a Stanley Cup with the Chicago Not Blackhawks. Not a big deal. Decent. Yeah, so... Uh, it was pretty sweet because he actually wasn't supposed to be in the movie and he's never been an actor before, but he was hired on as a cons- consultant for the hockey scenes. And then they decided, Hey, we're going to, this guy's going to be Dean Youngblood's dad. So Peter Markle hired him on. Uh, he got a tip from a friend that, uh, you know, I've made contact with this guy, this former NHLer who's in Vail, Colorado, and he's working as a ski instructor. <sighs> How wicked would that be as a retirement job? This guy job? is living the dream. Wow. Hey? Living Vail. the dream. He's handsome. He's, you know, he's living the dream. He's he, out there ski instructing in Vail, Colorado. He does a really good job in this movie, yeah. too, at playing, like, the tired dad, right? Like, he's just, you can t- he's this farmer. He's been working his tail off. His wife is gone. And his two boys, you know, like, he's trying to do the best he can. He does a really, really good job. For somebody who's never acted before, to me, he does a really good job. Even in the, like... I'll say cheesy father son scene where he teaches him how to he teaches young blood how to fight like yeah. it he does a good job yeah and I said this to Webb when we were watching it together mm-hmm. he reminded me so much of Big Tom 
He had a lot of Big Tom. He does have a lot of Big Tom. He did remind me of my dad. For, for the for the listeners, Big Tom is uh, Tom Reed, a legendary father of uh, of our co-host <laughs> Jordan Reed. Beauty. <laughs> this guy is uh, he's a living legend, and he's he's just uh, he's the salt of the earth, the most amazing guy. He, and obviously, That's we always awesome. talk about uh, Viper. That's the first guy, Tom Scarrett, when it comes to, to mind. It, that's that's Tom Reed. That is my dad's twin. It, that, they're big twin Tom, brothers. Tom Selleck big, and uh, big, Viper. Big yeah. Tom has a better mustache. And Tom Selleck, <laughs> Mr. Baseball. Yeah, absolutely. That's so there's awesome. like There's a couple of guys, but this Eric Nesterenko had a lot of Tom Reed in him. He did. He did have a lot of dad in him. The way he taught, the, his method of doing it. Yeah, sometimes dad would teach you things, and you got it later after he did it, or he got you ready for situations. I noticed that, and Nestorenko did a good job of that too, kind of getting him ready. You know what? Like when I was a kid in Prince Edward Island, the junior A coach was a guy named Forby Kennedy. He was an NHL tough yeah. guy. Yeah. And at the time, he used to teach everybody on his team how to fight, because in those this was now this is the early nineties. It's a little yeah. bit later. Fights happen, relevant. and he taught them how to protect themselves. He's not mm-hmm. he you know don't go ahead and look for it, but learn how to protect yourself if this happens, sure. so you don't end up looking up at the lights, so to speak. Yep, let's jump into some other characters here. Uh, Webb, won't you bring one out for us here? I think you got. I think you're going to bring out one of my favorites, Kelly Youngblood. Yes. Maybe the most underappreciated character in this story. Okay, Kelly Youngblood has all the great wisdom, all the teaching. Uh, you know, he runs he runs Youngblood through this. Rocky montage of uh, a total, total, uh, totally, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unrealistic three to four days, apparently, that he just gets them absolutely jacked. Uh, Jamer and I were trying to do the math on the ga- the, the difference between game one or game when they were, they had Thunder Bay on the brink when they were up there and he yeah. leaves. And that was like the hurt. first game we saw and all of a sudden they're like, we, we one more game we had them. I'm like, what? And then to your point earlier, I think you made JR. That's why I think Youngblood identifies and sits so well with with Sutton, right? Sutton is the Kelly here in Hamilton. He's the mm-hmm. guy. He's the big brother that mm-hmm. the Youngblood so desperately wants to impress and mm-hmm. wants to to prove wrong in a lot of ways that he can make it here. So I, I love Kelly. He's got he hands down one of my favorite. And the guy who played him, whatever his name is, Jim Youngs. Great job, Jim Youngs. Shout out to you. Uh, I had a little bit of a regret in him. Some tough love. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought I put down that he was handsome too, good looking fella, great looking guy. Well, one Tim eye. Reagan's. If he put a hey, eye patch, Tim Reagan's hey, in him. Oh yeah. If he put an eye patch on, he'd still go and he'd clean up. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I like this character too. I thought he, I put cool, strong, wise. You know, he he really helped kind of man him up. The workout montage. Yeah, I question that. The heavy bag. You know, you're taking like you say a Paul Korea and trying to turn them into a. You know, a Troy Crowder or something. And work two days at bat. Yeah, good luck Once with you that. Got two days of just food. hit it, pillow hands. To take on a heavy <laughs> like Rocky, I don't think that's going to happen. No. We talked about a certain forearm workout that uh, Jamer will probably elaborate on in a moment. Uh, <laughs> that he worked him out on. Don't know about that one, Jamer. Yeah. I think you can take that one. Yeah, I'm not even going to touch that one. All right. Just so many funny, you know, training aspects oh, or yeah. practicing aspects. Anyway, uh, yeah, I loved him. I'm not, I think you guys nailed it all. Uh, let's move on to Heaver, played by Keanu Reeves, the goalie. <laughs> like, fantastic French-Canadian accent. I'll give him that. He did a pretty good job trying to be very French in this movie. That guy is fucking an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I had him as the junior hockey's Denny Lemieux. Yeah, good, uh, good He reminded me nice. a lot of that, very just good. the way he did it. Yeah. And he could actually play a little bit. 
He did. He played. Uh, he played for De La Salle, the Henry Carr Crusaders, which okay. was like a junior team around the Toronto area. He actually played a little bit of junior hockey back in the day. And good for him, Eric Nostrenko had some good things to say about his uh, goaltending. So he, was, he he said legitimately he's played the position. He was easy mm-hmm. to work with. That's good. I thought I thought he was great. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Miss McGill, played by Fian. I'm not want to mess this uh, name. Fianula Flanagan. Nice Irish name. Yeah, well pronounced, Jamie. Well done. Uh, I don't think Miss McGill. T with Miss McGill, I think, is just an experience that makes you a Hamilton hockey player. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. That that quote. <laughs> uh, she. She's been I, on the thigh master. She's yeah, looking pretty good. For she her. was okay. Yeah, I thought she was a kind of an interesting character. I thought she was like that character that was the bridge between boy to man. Yes. You know, like where it's like, okay, you've left home now, and now this person, you sh- you're boy to man. Rite of passage to have tea with Miss McGill. Yeah. And, you know, the the whole idea of her, I wrote, you know, se- her very sexualized person where you're like, whoa. Yeah. Miss McGill is uh, Miss McGill. She do it to me last year. <laughs> <laughs> she do it to me last night. <laughs> um, okay, let's jump to... Huey Hewitt, who is uh, the defenseman that ends oh. up getting suspended uh, in the stretch there and crushing Molson exports in the stands. Classic, classic, just uh, comedy filler, right? Like there yeah. for the comedic value. Uh, does a does a pretty good job doing it. The the scene in the bar where they're getting young blood all liquored up. He's pretty funny there. Um, and I mean, he he does okay, I guess, with the with the ladies. He's a good leader. He's one of those like funny leaders. Like he's gonna yeah. he's gonna cut the tension in the room. You always need a guy like that. And he he's, he kind of rides shotgun with uh, with Sutton. Derek Sutton. Yeah. He's a, he's a yeah he's a guy. He's clearly their best defenseman. You know, mm-hmm. I think it hurts them in the stretch when they lose him. But a, a good hard nosed guy. I put down. He's just your classic like, blue guy, meathead. Glue guy, yeah. Canadian defenseman in junior hockey. Where he, he's a huge glue guy. Yeah. And super important, though. Those guys, like you said, Jamie, they really matter. Playing hurt, too. Playing hurt. And you have so much seriousness. You have someone like Rocky running around or, you know, people like that running around. You do need some comedic relief in there. Yeah. And he provided it. All right. Let's jump into our realism review. What about the movie is realistic? And did it do justice to the sport? Realism-wise, I liked that Steve Thomas and Peter Zezel were in there. I like Keanu Reeves played goal, and he actually knew what to do a little bit. You know what I thought would help the realism, and this was one point. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Youngblood took Sutton offside. Yeah, that happens. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. That to me was like the hockey is what it is. That was an edgy thing for him to do in his first game. <laughs> that is something. To... You just got put on the first line out of nowhere. Like that surprised everybody. Yeah. Yes, you would be on your you'd be minding your p's and q's for that game. So that maybe that shows to his uh, his cockiness is confidence yeah he's brash but if you want your stud i want a little bit of that sure. from a stud yeah. if you're a goal scorer i want that like peter markle knows his stuff the writer director he's kind of like a, a ron shelton okay he's got a background in the game i'm going to touch a little bit more in detail as we get into our next section but yeah he's that there's there's quite a bit of realism that comes out of this and it's because of his experiences mm-hmm. and web something else i noticed was like the socialization or the culture you kind of see that too. You start to see the you know the drinking culture, or you look at mm, yeah how the hazing yeah the hazing was yeah, a big point. Sure. The homophobic yeah. culture. Oh yeah, there's a lot Those of homophobia in hockey. Pretty, uh, still is yeah Ooh. yeah for it's sure still a problem. Like 
you know, you start to see all those kind of things. It's, it has some back in the day realistic type things. Yeah, yeah. there there's definitely uh, realistic elements. Um, I mean, Jamer and I laughed at some of the more ridiculous things, like some of the video editing uh, scenes where. Uh, the one where Youngblood gets rubbed out, and you can clearly see it's not him at all. That <laughs> yeah. Sutton takes him out in the corner. Um, but other than that, like I said, I, I actually think they this job this movie uh, does a better job than a, a few of the other ones that we've done in terms of kind of trying to get it right. The fact that they had, um, I mean, I know all the other movies we've talked about, they've all had some kind of consultant on. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy actually, see Nestorenko or whatever you said his name was, Jim. Uh, you got it. Yeah, he, he seems like he's he's legit um, and a no nonsense kind of guy. And and I think when and I don't know if you're going to bring this up later. We had talked a little bit about uh, them playing shinny and stuff in between and and, and all that. So um, there was a couple things that were over the top. Uh, Stumpy on the uh, hack squad in his <laughs> half year uh, with like what like like twenty fives on each side. Like, come on, Stumpy, you're way better than you don't that. get the nickname Stumpy for like, doing twenty fives. Let's <laughs> go. It's the hack squad for crying out loud with half gear on too. Like, yeah. what, you can't. What are you working out with half your gear? On? With like a quarter. His form was terrible. Like he he does. He's just getting lit up for that one. Was yeah. Sutton's apartment real? I want that. Apartment. I want the apartment too. Come here. <laughs> I want neon lights. But somebody should come up with like all these oh. like famous apartment things from movies. Recreate them as like hotel yeah. rooms and rent them out. You well, make actually, a fortune. I have, I have a good buddy and Jr. You've met you've met him before, Lion Porter, mm-hmm. and uh, he's got a shout out. Yeah, a little shout out to Ports. So check him out online. He's he's got a couple of. Uh, Bed and breakfast. He's a hotelier. Is that how you Ooh. pronounce it? So he's got a place called uh, Urban Cowboy. Oh, this is a guy in Brooklyn. He's got one in Brooklyn. He's also got one in Nashville. And he opened a pl- another place in Nashville called The Dive. And it's like a, a throwback to like, uh, I don't want to get the errors wrong, but like 50s, 60s. Anyway, Lion Porter, you should check him out online. Urban Cowboy is the name of his bed and breakfast. But you want to talk about, you know, that nostalgic stuff or whatever. He's been in. He's been featured in like GQ magazine, all these things for how artistic his interior designs are for his hotels and stuff. It's amazing. Anyway, sorry, off track. Here's another unrealistic portion I found. When the Hamilton bombers and or sorry, Thunder Bay bombers and Hamilton Mustangs are you know at each other for countless amounts of games and you know it's boiling over. They're skating around amongst each other sometimes in the warmups. We noticed that when we were watching. We, we brought that up too, but I. I think it might have been like that back then. I think there was something that happened in the 80s with, and I think Theo Fleury might have been a part of it, where they actually separated the teams and put them in different ends. Well, in the warm-up in the Western League, didn't the teams used to warm up? They never warmed up together. In the Western League, one team That happened warm for up. a bit. That didn't that happen or something? Okay. Yeah, there's something about that. And I may be wrong, but I think that they may have even skated all over the ice at one point. Or I don't oh. know if they always stayed in one end or not, but I could be wrong there, but... Yeah, we noticed that too. It was the, a little bit strange. I was gonna say yeah. that the one other hockey scene that I thought was a little over the top, uh, Young Blood's double wraparound move. Yeah, you know, there's what? no way you're getting two full laps around the net, bud. No, not at your size. Not, not that. You didn't that even, they they do that in the Mighty Ducks. Adam Banks skates like two laps around the net. To put it, and you could. There's a bunch of stuff you could see. They the Mighty Ducks stole from Young Blood. I know the writer and director who slotted himself in into those movies. He didn't know anything about hockey. So, uh, anyway, that's off topic. But th- that happened in the Mighty Ducks too. 
that drives me nuts. And when I saw it in there, I just like it was like nails on a chalkboard. For mm. me. Mm-hmm. Good, good catch, Webb. I had I just had a few notes. Like I think you guys nailed all of it. Uh, I had like the hazing made sense, banging the billet. There's lots of stories of that happening. I, mm-hmm. I sure. knew a bunch of guys that where that went went down. Uh, the beggar after having a go night. So you know you could tell coach gave them a night to go out when they had that night at the bar. And then you're gonna get a bagger in the morning. You know, you know it's coming, so it's 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 accepted. Uh, the trainer doing multiple jobs, mm-hmm. and so this reminds me of Gunnar Garrett. Totally reminded me you know of Gunnar. I mean? So oh. uh, I won't get into too much of that. But the trainer's the equipment manager. He's also doing stitches. He's back in the day. That's the the trainer was a jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> uh, the cortisone shots, superstitions where we have Derek Sutton eating the rose. Uh, coach telling guys how soft they are and how hard it was on him. That's just like a constant thing going from generation to generation. Yes. Because yeah. I, even, even this time's a bit before we were in minor hockey. So, uh, you know, it, I, I was telling kids that I was coaching how soft they have it now. And you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So it just continues from one generation to the next. So that's very realistic. Uh, also the coach rants, all the cliches. Oh, that's oh, just yeah. that, that, that's always like that. Even at the NHL level. Although um, we did say uh, coaches were pretty good in this one. They weren't super cliche. They weren't as, too bad. They weren't as bad. No. Uh, Racky would have got absolutely mauled after he dropped that tr- cheap shot on Sutton. There's no way he gets to the yeah. bench. And we, we talked know, about we that talked web about when we were watching that. Sure. He would have got murdered. And if he didn't, somebody would have went in the room and basically tore a strip out of everyone in that room for not doing that, not standing up. The home dressing room sucks. Terrible. One. They have a terrible home dressing room. I just wanted to point that out. I also have something to add to the home dressing room. They have the shortest towels I've ever seen. Those what is going on? Those, with are, those? The hand towels. those <laughs> are the hand towels. They go on the top shelf. Yeah, those are way up. <laughs> those are not good towels. Oh, this is another thing I just wanted to point out. Peter Zezel gets an A, but Stumpy didn't. Must have taken someone out for dinner. But I did look it up uh, the year before. So they were teammates on the Toronto Marlies. They picked a few guys off the Marlies to do a, b- a bunch of extra scenes or whatever. So they played on the Marlies together that year. Okay. Zezel was a couple of years younger than Stumpy, but Zezel was the stud. Oh, he yeah. was the guy that like put up fifty goals or whatever. Like he was, he was actually the kind of the higher ranked player at that time. So maybe, then maybe that's why he was. Well, that's back in the day. Thomas is what five seven, five eight. Yeah. So he wouldn't even be on people's radars back then. No, absolutely. He he's another. He's a guy that kind of made the most of his opportunity once he got totally to the NHL. Did. Hannah, the referee, is the worst ref <coughs> in the history of refs. Worst. This yeah. Guy's terrible. Yeah. He missed so many calls. And then Webb pointed it out, and I actually got a snapshot. I'm going to put it on Twitter this week after we release. <laughs> Webb got it, pointed it out. We rewinded it, got a screenshot. He skates over to the penalty box to talk to, like, the timekeeper to say who's got the penalty and what's going on in the situation. But there's no timekeeper. There's no PP cop. It's the constable. <laughs> he's, talking to the, he's talking to the OPP cop, pointing back at the player. It just made no sense. That's great. And the he, only that thing, just shows you how bad a ref he is. He doesn't only, even know who the timekeeper is. The only is. other point I was going to add is that when Youngblood goes back, Jamie and I were laughing about this too, he has to go back because he is hands down the worst farmer on the planet. Oh my he loses God. a fight to a chicken. <laughs> he can't, terrible can't handle the fencing. And he, he can't hold on to his fucking hammer for crying out oh, loud. Yeah, he dropped the hammer. He, he, you you know hook that. the hammer over the edge. You hook it over. You got two things to hook it, it on. Hook. Worst 
Freaking he also had, he, the reason that that tractor was unstuck wasn't because of him. It was his brother who helped get the thing out. He had nothing to do with it. Absolutely soft as you know what. You know what Sam to, Elliott would have done to Dean Youngblood? Oh, him and Colt. Imagine yeah. Dean Youngblood and Colt trying to run a farm. <laughs> oh God! Good luck with that. Two quick last ones for me. There were too many '70s throwbacks, and then I think this has to do with Peter Markle. Like I think this was his uh, influence coming into it because he played in a different era. Mm-hmm. The goalie masks were not relevant to what the 80s were like those are not 80s masks no. um in the stick fights that was more of like a 60s 70s 50 mm-hmm. 60s 70s thing they were well gone after a couple of really bad ted green there's a couple of incidents right what but about those cooper alls cooper alls are pretty <laughs> nasty <laughs> i actually got a pair of those How i'd wear those i did yeah. a word of men's league one night they fun. are the best throw them over top of your micron megas <laughs> yes <laughs> yes i had micron megas so did i um, and then the very last thing I just want to throw out, of course, the fat kid's a goalie at the end when he's getting autographs. Oh, yeah. How cliche is that? <laughs> Come on. It's Goldberg. It is. All right. So let's uh, want to jump into quotes here. Do we have any sure. big quotes we want to throw out? I had one that, you know, you referenced my dad, Big Tom. So this movie, you know, in 1986, I was pretty young, obviously, but naturally I was exposed to it at a pretty young age. Uh, when the... Love making scenes were there. I was told to quote, cover my eyes and put them in a bl- put my head in a blanket until they were over. <laughs> and this is a true story because my oldest sister would be babysitting me at the time. And then my dad watched it later. And then after that, you know, as a you know like young kid, you're trying to wrestle with your dad. And then my dad would give me a shot, and you know what he'd say to me? Want to go, pretty boy? <laughs> yes, that's a classic. Want to go, pretty boy? What a quote! That quote I heard for years, all the way through minor hockey, and it is to me. I know not everybody will like it. It's like an iconic hockey movie quote. Yeah. How about you? Got, you got any web? You want to uh, I was going to say the uh, the. And I don't know if it was scripted or if it was a, a Swayze uh, ad lib there about uh, Gordy Howe having a shitty agent. That was that one's up there. The pillow hands one is me. And we laughed and we were watching, and I said, "Oh, it's probably the same agent as Terry O'Reilly Senior." Uh, Terry Ryan. Terry. Terry, Terry Ryan. Oh Lordy. Bye, Grand. Bye. <laughs> no. Save your lawyer. At all. Can't even handle that guy. Uh, yeah, that, those ones were the big ones for me. I mean, there are some funny ones, but uh, those ones were pretty, pretty good. There me. was another one that I – sorry to throw this in quickly. Kind of hard to get uh, – uh, sorry, not much to do in this town or whatever she referenced. I was like, it's Hamilton. We said that too. It's Actually, we, we picked that small. up. It, it's a big-sized town. It's not it's, if you're the half OH, a million people. If you're in the OHL, is that not one of the biggest towns in the OHL? No. You, for context, you're coming from New York City, I significantly so. smaller, but Good still. But like, come on, yeah, it's not that small. I I agree. Yeah, there was some cloud. You got the you got my favorite one there, <laughs> lousy agent, uh, the Derek Sutton one. Yeah. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into some little known facts. So Don Biggs is uh, the guy that played Patrick Swayze's uh, hockey double. So he is a he's a former professional hockey player. Played for a long time. You probably saw him come through uh, PEI JR because um, he played with he played in the American League for a long time. Put a ton oh, really? of points up. Played in Binghamton, a few different places. Huh. And uh, he started for the Oshawa Generals in the early '80s. He was kind of a guy that I think probably he was a little undersized. He probably would have been really perfect for today's game. Yeah. Put up a ton of points. Always scored wherever he went. He had a cup of coffee with the North Stars and the Philadelphia Flyers. And there's a really interesting thing. Do you know who his kid is? Tyler Biggs. Really? The Probably like one of the biggest 
busts, busts and leave yeah. first round histories. Like Berkey traded the pick, yes. traded up to get the pick to pick him to get that guy. That's why I was like Jason McNoble. So that's his kid. No, wasn't yeah. truculent enough. Wasn't truculent enough. Lacking truculence. He was actually he was over truculent. That was his problem. Didn't really yeah, have I didn't else. know that. We'd already kind of touched a little bit about Peter Markle having a hockey background. So there's an interesting thing here. There's I'm going to go down a tiny rabbit hole. I'll try not to make this too long. So Peter Markle played hockey at the Blake School. You heard of that school, JR? Yeah, I have. Yeah, in Minnesota. It's one of the big mm-hmm. kind of prep schools in Minnesota for hockey. Uh, and he also played at Yale University. And uh, he had a few years in the minors with the Flint Generals in the International League and the Rochester Mustangs. He also spent uh, three years with the U.S. uh, national team. So the movie is loosely based on Markle's kind of experiences, which is why I think we see a lot of throwbacks to like the 70s. Yeah. Um, But this is a really kind of a, this is kind of the end of the rabbit hole. There's an interesting thing. Do you know who else is another Blake School top alumni? It's Academy Award winning director George Roy Hill, who directed The Sting, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and Slapshot. Well done. Oh. So the two directors that arguably did, you know, potentially a couple of the top hockey movies ever made. Absolutely. Both came from the same prep school, graduated from the same prep school in Minnesota. I thought that was kind of neat. That's crazy. Unreal. Yeah, Yeah. that is a pretty cool little known fact. This was just a funny quote from Rob Lowe. He later said he hated learning how to skate. So when he came on here, that was one thing that kind of frustrated some of those guys was like he literally had no skating ability at all. So it made it a little <laughs> difficult. And you can kind of see in the scenes where they show his face on the ice, they show him from the waist up. Yeah. And he's got that laborious kind of stride, that same thing that Emilio Estevez did. Like their shoulder pads kind of like, they have like their neck <laughs> yeah. disappears when they're skating. Like they're totally, their neck disappears into their like shoulder pads. So it's just like they don't know how to skate properly, right? Um, But he had this funny quote. He says, I don't like any sport where you're already exhausted when you're done putting on your equipment. And it's to me, it's so relevant now. Like when I when I go and play like pickup hockey or whatever on a Thursday night, I just don't want to put my gear on. It's just like laborious. (laughs) (laughs) It takes I'm just like half the time, like I'll be sitting at home and I'll be like, I'm not going. I'm just not going to go because I don't want to put my gear on. <laughs> when you bend over as you're old to tie your skates and oh, you can God. feel the air leaving your body. <laughs> the, the, you can't must, breathe. The mustiness of the equipment I've almost too. passed it. A little, trying to little harder to on. get on these days. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's I, funny. You can you can pass it. You're a danger of passing it. Oh, yeah. If you do the belt up in your pants before you tie them, you'll just hear the air leaving your body. You're like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I'm done. <laughs> I got to sit back. <laughs> Somebody passed me another Molson X. <laughs> So, JR, uh, kudos for finding you, – you gave us the link, I think, to this article, right? The, the Making of Youngblood. Uh, oh, yeah. History. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I should post that one on Twitter yeah. for people. So, we actually – there's a couple articles that we're going to mention. And it's at, the cool thing was is they're actually by the same author, Sal Barry. Mm-hmm. So, this one, uh, The Making of Youngblood, uh, an oral history by Sal Barry. Uh, a couple of things that came out of it. So, James Richmond was a coach – he actually coaches right now in the OHL with the Mississauga Steelheads, and he also won a Stanley Cup. He, he did something in player development for the LA Kings when they won one of their cups recently. He's a cool guy. I actually got to know him in my last year that I was coaching with the Kingston Voyagers. He was coaching with the Aurora Tigers in the same league, and we played them in the playoffs and stuff, and I got to meet him a couple times. He's really tight with Colin Burke. I think you've met Berkey a couple mm-hmm. times. 
Uh, I didn't know he was in this movie, and I actually texted Berkey today, and I said, did you know J.R.? They call him J.R. as well, James Richmond. Did you know he was in uh, Youngblood? And he's like, yeah, yeah, actually I did. And uh, he played Stordahl, who was the last name Stordahl, who was the Thunder Bay Bombers captain. Oh, yeah. He's pretty much prominent in a lot of those scenes. He gets in a lot of battles with Derek Sutton. He played at the University of New Hampshire. Cool guy. Uh, He had this to say about it. It was the best summer job I ever had. Patrick Swayze and I got pretty close during the filming. We'd go for dinner, have a couple drinks. He'd come over and visit my mom and dad. We hung out a few times when we weren't shooting. I thought that was pretty pretty cool. I think it speaks to uh, Patrick Swayze. And it's pretty similar to a lot of stories I think we've heard of Swayze and how down-to-earth he was. He's very similar to Paul Newman in that they really they get more enjoyment out of hanging out with like the wait staff at a restaurant mm-hmm. than the mm-hmm. stars that are in the restaurant. Real you know people. What I mean? Like and I mean, people, Swayze's yeah. about to be a huge star for the next 10 years. Oh, God, yeah. From this movie on, yeah. like, he's a big time I think star. I, I mean, I'd have to look it up, but I think he had already done... No, Outsiders would be later than this, too. Outsiders before this. Was it yeah. before this? Yeah. You looked it up? I th- so I he, it was. He'd uh, already, he's uh, already yeah, been, okay. he's already been pretty big, if, if that's the case. But he's he hasn't done, like, Dirty Dancing yet. No. He hasn't no. done Roadhouse yet. Ghost. He hasn't exploded, yeah. Ghost. Uh, he hasn't danced with Chris Farley yet. He would be... really. Chris Farley... Here's another, here's another funny one by Steve Thomas. So on the first day of shooting, they're getting ready, and he's sitting beside Rob Lowe in the dressing room. We're putting on our gear, and I look over, and Rob Lowe's sitting beside me, and he's got these people from wardrobe putting his equipment on for him and tying his skates. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my God, he can't even tie his own skates. Come on, seriously, man. <laughs> that's pretty Hollywood. <laughs> oh, that's bad. That's pretty bad. That's bad. So director peter markle was talking about her eric nesterenko had an epic snap show on uh the player that that the actor his name's peter fawcett who played huey hewitt so he said he was a kind of a decent player but he wasn't like a junior caliber player that a lot of the mm-hmm. guys were and he kept messing up these scenes and finally like eric nesterenko was losing his marbles and he just turned around and pounded a puck down the ice and it just missed this actor's head by like an inch <laughs> and peter Merkel was like oh my god we almost would have had like this like catastrophic scene like a big lawsuit or something right eric Nesterenko snapping would be scary oh It'd god scare yeah, me. yeah if he had a snap show i'd be a little scared james richmond we mentioned earlier on uh, patrick swayze's remember the linesman kiss scene yep where he kisses the linesman so that was not in the script at all they said they were just shooting the scene, and out of nowhere, just Swayze just grabs the lineman and plants one on him. <laughs> he said they all started just howling, laughing, That's and funny. they decided to keep it in the in the thing. I thought it was pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Because yeah, he was a wild man, right? Like he was. Mm-hmm. I thought it fit his character pretty well. That was pretty good. Oh, and uh, George Finn, who played Rocky on the final scene with Rob Lowe. So they were like had him wrestling around, throwing some punches and stuff. And uh, George Finn said to Rob Lowe, "Don't be shy, just hit me." Yeah, I can take a punch. Throw one as hard as you can, and I don't care. Just don't break my nose. <laughs> <laughs> don't break that nose. <laughs> don't break I don't think that Rob Lowe's going to be breaking anything on his face. No. no. He's been hitting the nose by her, harder than yeah. uh, that just shows Rob Lowe's. Pillow hands. Yeah, that yeah, just, that no just kidding. makes sense. Um, so the, the next few little kind of tidbits are from an interview with uh, Randy Walker, who played Rob Lowe's hockey double in Youngblood. So we had talked about, like, maybe trying to get this guy on the on the podcast but be, i think we were just at, not at the stage right now it'd be kind of tough to get him in but he's uh he's actually an area scout in the north american hockey league right now with the amarillo bulls and i got one of my good buddies i austin sutter that i played with the bulls or sorry played with the amarillo gorillas with in the central hockey league uh he's a coach with the amarillo bulls right now so there might have been a connection there 
But anyway, there's I, I was able to uncover this interview with Randy Walker, who played Rob Lowe's stunt double. So he was a 16-year-old kid uh, who had just finished playing his last year midget with the uh, GTHL's Ooh. Toronto Red Wings. And uh, Jamers League. He and his buddies went down. Yeah, he and his buddies <laughs> went to to an audition. They, they thought it was going to be like a, an audition for an instructional video or whatever. And they and then later on they found out after he was offered the role. No, this is like a, a Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, they asked where his mother was, and he said, "Well, I just rode the bus down here today." So they they said, "Okay, well, you have to bring your mom back tomorrow to sign a contract." So he brought his mom back in the next day to sign this contract. And his mom had all these funny questions about what was going on. Because it was the summer and, yeah, of course. you know, he was going to have school coming up at the end of it. They asked him, like, about, do you know Patrick Swayze? No. Do you know Rob Lowe? No. Like, the kids just, these are kids, right? They just they just heard they were going to have some free hockey in the summertime. And that's that was everything to them, right? They didn't care if they were getting paid or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just like they got some free ice time. He said on Ed Lauder, who played the coach, uh, he said, uh, our parents knew Ed Lauder from the longest yard. He was a phenomenal man. He was so good to us kids. He would spend so much time with us. We'd go to his trailers, have a few beers with him. <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> he goes, we were 16, but, you know, it was legendary. That's old school. That's <laughs> yeah, old school. That's, that is old school. That's old school. Wow, having some warm exports. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Randy Walker. He's a, he's a police dispatcher and 911 operator in Spotswood, New Jersey now. And as I mentioned, he's a scout with uh, a couple of teams, the Amarillo Bulls, who I mentioned, also the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. That's a great name, yeah. Sioux City Musketeers. Cool yeah. name. Pretty solid. Yeah, good team in the USHL as well. Cool name. Uh, they did a lot. Of, spent, they spent a lot of their downtime, he mentioned in his interviews as well. Uh, they might be shooting a scene in one end of the rink, and they'd be screwing around playing shinny in the other, and they'd be banging some pucks off the glass and getting screamed at by the directors. And that's <laughs> funny. Oh, that's, that's just boom, like, boom, it's relevant. picking up all that. Well, when you're getting kids at that age in, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah. Like? And uh, a lot of a lot of the actors and stuff, whenever they would break for lunch, you know, they would take advantage of that time to rest in their trailer, and grab a bite to eat. Mm-hmm. But all the kids and like Nestorenko and all the guys like like Zezel and Thomas, they'd put together these epic shinny games every lunchtime. I bet. I was. They, I guess they just had the best time ever. They also mentioned something in the interview. He said uh, he was a little bit darker skin than Rob Lowe, so they told him like they noticed he'd gone to the pool or something like that and hanging out with friends like kids do. And they basically told him, like, you got to stay inside now, like, the rest of the summer, because you're getting too dark. It's oh. it's harder. They had to put makeup on and lighten him up so getting that he could to pass. to be Rob Lowe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Oh, this was a funny story about, uh, he was talking about Peter Zezel. So Peter Zezel, he said, we, we just idolized, like, Zezel and Thomas, because we grew up in Toronto. We watched the Marlies in the OHL. Mm-hmm. And these guys were all in the Marlies, right? And there was a bunch of other guys that were playing there. And then, like, Donnie Biggs was playing with Oshawa at the time and stuff like that. So he said, we were just in awe hanging out with these guys. But he said Peter Zezel was, like, the greatest guy ever. They just worshipped him. He said, uh, there was dozens of times that I had to take the bus down to the to the rink for shooting. Uh, and he'd take the bus to Jeff Palmatier's house. He's the guy that played the guy that lost his teeth. Mm-hmm. They put his teeth in the Oh, yeah, in the Caesar. Uh, and he was actually Mike Palmatier brother the goalie that used to play for oh, yeah. Mike Palmatier so he said I'd take the bus to Jeff's house and then Zezel would pick us up and drive us to the rank and we thought it was just the coolest thing ever because he just got uh, he just signed with the Philadelphia Flyers and he bought a Ford Escort with his signing bonus <laughs> Ford Escort <laughs> but he talks about it like he like yeah he just bought a Ford Escort like it was a wicked car right <laughs> <laughs> 
he so the had bonuses, a car. The bonuses wouldn't better, have been huge. Better automobile, the Ford Escort or the Mercury Topaz? Ooh, Escort. Ford Escort, Ooh. hands down. They went on hatchback. That's true. Yeah. Those things were great. You could park them anywhere. That's true. <laughs> Let's jump into the soundtrack. The film was composed by William Orbit. So Orbit is an English musician and composer and record producer who sold over 200 million recordings worldwide of his own work and his production and songwriting work. He's a recipient of multiple Grammy Awards, an Ivor Novello Award, and other music industry awards. His collaborations and productions have teamed up with him up with uh, Prince, Madonna, Britney Spears, Pink, U2, JR's favorite Ricky Martin. <laughs> Remember, remember we used to <laughs> live in La Vida Loca? We had the radio down yeah. at the landscaping job. Oh, yeah. In the skin of Carla Homolka. We used to think... <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> it sounded like it. Oh. Um, Sarah McLaughlin, Queen, <laughs> Beck, and many others. This was an interesting soundtrack. It was a lot of, like, 80s synth pop. Yep. And, uh, did I say it? Synth? Synth, synth pop? Synth. It's a hard, synth? Synth. Synth. Synthesizer, right? Synthesizer. Synthesizer. Yeah, that's hard for me to say. I, I remember seeing his name in a couple things before, like some collaborations, but I never like, really knew who he was. But he's got a pretty amazing career. Like he's been tied to a lot of different things. He's done a lot of work with a lot of different people. The the soundtrack, I never thought much of it when I heard it earlier, like the first few times I watched it. So I listened to it when we were watching the movie the other night, Web, and it's like it's kind of interesting. It's like uh, it's got its own kind of feel to it. Yeah, there's some interesting tracks on there. You know, the one they actually get ready is on there, but it's performed by Diana Ross and the Supremes, and it's right. I think it's when they're in uh, having their night out, their go night, right? Yes. And Rob Lowe is kind of getting in one. I think it's that scene, and you know, some it's pretty uh, fitting for the times. Like, the, like you said, a lot of synthy type sounds that are very 80s. Um, yeah. So I mean, it it, it works. Yeah. I don't have a lot more to add. I wrote a my notes. Just a perfect 80s soundtrack. Yep. It's what I want. There's no Glass Tiger or any of that on there, but you <laughs> no. know, I would have I would have liked some maybe some like BTO or something because it is supposed to be would Canadian. You want, like, I uh, think I think the budget held them. Some back Kenny Loggins or something in oh, there? Oh yeah. A little I Kenny think, Loggins. I think okay. the four point two million budget, like the pretty minuscule yeah. budget, would have held them back on like some of the big name stuff they could have got. Well, they had to get somebody to tie Rob Lowe's skates. I mean that's <laughs> yeah. How much a, did that person get paid? There's ten grand. There's ten grand for back sure. Then. I don't know. He was he's sitting there. They, that's why they couldn't pay there. They didn't have to pay the kids. Hey kids, we'll give you free hockey. We got to pay this guy. Do you think Rob Lowe's skates? Do you think the guy wrapped the laces around the ankle? That's what oh. I was wondering. <laughs> you remember he, those? He probably guys? tried to do that. How they many, were like, how no, many no. packs of tape do you think they went through in this? Oh, those ankles were locked in. <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, actually, Don Biggs mentioned that in the thing. He said uh, Patrick Swayze. Fuck, wrap the tape all over his ankles. Oh, yeah. And uh, he said, I had to I had to do it the same way, and I wasn't used to it, so it was weird. Because <laughs> he had to do it right the same way that he was doing it. Cement right. ankle. And the one, like, I the one thing I will say this, we I forgot to mention this point. We had talked about it when we were watching it, James. Uh, Racky also has the prototypical enforcer look where he's yeah. got the tongues of his skates down. Tongues out. Yeah, tongues out. I did out. that one year. Yeah. yeah. I did tongues out. Every, every enforcer, I think, I think it's like in the enforcer code rule book or something. Like, <laughs> do you know why? You're, I you're did? a fighter. Okay, you gotta have tongues out, buddy. You know why I did tongues out? You should know. Which hockey player had tongues out? Dan Cleary. Dan Cleary. Oh, tongues out. Absolutely. Another bell I did tongues out for a while because the best player on our team, a guy named Denny O'Coin, uh, he did tongues out, and I tried to do it to look cool, but I wasn't good enough. I, I, I. Got away from it because I took a clapper in the laces. That's exactly why I stopped doing it. Yeah. I was like, this hurts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not fast enough. You can't be doing it when you're, you know. On D. No. 
Just but awesome. he looks so cool, and you got to push the tongue down. It looks wicked. Yeah, Chris Pronger did it. Yeah, if he can pull it off. But he's a little better than we are. He's a so. little better than us. And God, stronger God and it. tougher and God, just bigger. All right, let's wrap this baby up. Where does this movie rank among hockey movies and then sports movies? Hockey movie, I'm very conflicted at two or three. It's not one. Nope. It I is a two is. or a, yeah. It is a two or a three for me. I'm going to put it at two. And when we do the three, I'll just explain why I still have it at the two. Um, Sports movies, it's in the top 20. It's a movie that I, you know, when you talked about the program, all those people, football players related to the program. Youngblood, I felt like as a kid growing up playing hockey, was like the program if you played hockey. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Youngblood was a movie you watched and you kind of like, it got that edge going for you. So, yeah, two is a hockey yeah, I put it in the top 20 as a sports movie for sure. I enjoyed it. It's entertaining again. Overall, though, great movie. I will watch this. It's not on TV very often. I think maybe, Webb, you mentioned yeah, Sportsnet. Yeah, the last time I on. saw it, I think Sportsnet had played it. Something like random Sportsnet channel, and I caught it, and I watched it. But I will watch it if I can see it. Yeah, it. Uh, I would say you pretty much nailed it on the head, Jar. I, I, I don't know if we have the same two three combo but i think we probably do um it clearly isn't going to be one it can't be one just unless you have we, can, we can say it yeah it, it's not beating slap shot no nope. slap shot's one it's the holy yeah, cow it slap is. Shot. fight me if you don't agree yeah get at me but uh it's it's definitely yeah two or three depending on the mood i i think uh i'm gonna go three i'm gonna go on a limb and say it, it's not two for me uh for mm-hmm. hockey moves again all time it's probably in my top 15. I still enjoy it. I mean, as ridiculous as it is, you know, like the stick duel at the end between Racky and Rob Lowe and how ridiculous that would actually be. Um, Billy two- Barber. <laughs> this is, but are you not cheering? You're like, come on. Like, oh, 100%. Come on. Get that stick away from him, Diener. Get that stick. Kelly yeah. and his sweet And Kelly's car. sitting there and he's, you know, uh, and Murray goes in the stands a la Mike uh, Milbury. I'm, su- I'm surprised and- Kelly didn't go into like convulsions, have some like PTSD from oh, when yeah. he lost his eye. Yeah. Imagine how sweet Kelly's car was to take up on oh, that drive, Kelly's though. car. We <laughs> didn't even mention that. We didn't even mention it. So wicked. The GT? <laughs> oh, yeah. The GT, GTO. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, um, ride. Yeah, so I'd say, yeah, it's probably in my top 15. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's, it, it's not in, it, it, I can't get it any high. I, it's definitely not in my top 10. There's just too many other good movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it'd be up there. Yep. I'm the same as you guys. It's either two or three for me. Slapshot's one. Um, you know, I got I probably got a hand, just a handful of movies in my top five for hockey you know you what do you throw in there you throw young blood it's not a uh, whole lot top of five for hockey you gotta put a ducks in there i don't put the ducks I, I have a ducks in there i'll tell you why on another podcast i have why i have mighty ducks in the top five okay. but that's another story for another day yeah mystery alaska miracle yeah. miracle miracles up a, there's there there's not a ton of yeah. hockey movies mystery alaska Mi- miracles up there you know what i forgot to mention this the other night web and i forgot about it but the rocket that's a the good rocket movie. is a great movie it's a good movie that's gonna be up there for is that me that was sean avery's the bad guy yep. or the game yeah that yeah. is a good uh, vinnie lecavale plays uh belleville great movie it's a good movie yeah. so that's up there too there's a couple yeah. you know uh anyway and then uh all-time mo- uh, sports movies top 20 somewhere yeah, yeah it falls in yeah well thanks folks uh we had another fun week uh, we're getting pounded by mosquitoes now, so I think it's time to wrap it up. Throw the Raptors game on, eh, Webb? Absolutely. Just wanted to say before we sign off, 
Uh, thanks everybody engaging with us on social. Continue to do so. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Big League Flicks. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod mm-hmm. and uh, Facebook. Look up uh, Big League Flicks as well. Yeah, thanks to people all over Canada showing some love. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Keep it coming. Take care, everybody. Cheers. Sports and the glitz and the glamour Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks Jordan Christian and Jammer